1: Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. This is your host Ed Oliver. You can follow me on Twitter at o f l a double T. Make sure you guys subscribe uh, to the Locked On Wizards and Locked On NBA podcast We have a special guest from Locked On from the Locked On Pacers, Tony East. How you doing today?
0: Doing good, doing good. Love talking to Wizards basketball and the NBA in general. So this is the perfect place for me, really, right here.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, Tony, he just told me before we got on, he was actually a Wizards fan for a bit when we had Gilbert, and Anton, Jameson, and Karan Butler.
0: In good old days, man. Brandon Haywood and Eaton Thomas for the front court of the future for for a small moment in time, right?
1: Yeah, no, those those were fun times. Um, <laughs> but before we get into the, uh, we're, today we're going to talk about Aaron Holiday, uh, how he fits with the Washington Wizards offensively and, defensive, and defensively, um, and just break down um, some of his game and some of his time uh, with the Indiana Pacers, and then we'll finish up with some Eastern Conference talk and if the Pacers are going to try to get Ben Simmons from the Sixers, but before we get into the uh, Aaron Holiday talk, this episode is brought to you by Fridays on Locked on NBA. Fridays on Locked on, on NBA with Nick angst of locked on mavericks and adam maris of locked on nuggets power rank the week that was in the nba follow the locked on nba podcast today wherever you get your podcasts all right so we'll start off with um, with aaron holiday we did make the trade on draft night uh we gave you we drafted isaiah jackson and we gave you guys well you guys uh, drafted we gave you our pick uh and we ended up with aaron holiday and pick number 30 um, so we'll start off. Um, what are the Wizards getting from Aaron Holiday offensively? And what were his what were some strengths that you saw in his game and some weaknesses in, in his game uh, offensively?
0: You know, it's kind of hard to say what you're going to get with Aaron Holiday offensively, which is a really bad answer for a podcast, but I'll explain. So two years ago with Nate McMillan, Aaron Holiday's sophomore season was the year Victor Oladipo got injured in Indiana. They didn't have as many backup guards at the time. Jeremy Lamb also was injured for part of that season. So Aaron Holiday played a ton that year uh, on, and you know he played next to T.J. McConnell. They had Sabonis with the second unit a lot in Indiana that year. Um, they had good fitting pieces around him with that second unit. He played a more off-ball role and he was pretty good offensively that year. He shot almost 40% from three. He was able to pick his spots a little bit more. In that season he was really good at deciding when to shoot versus deciding when to pass which sounds like a really simple skill but we we'll get to why it's not for him in a second and that was when he was really good and looking like he was going to grow into, you know, a useful offensive creator. Then last year with Nate Bjorkren he tried to, you know, shoehorn Aaron Holiday back into a little more combo guardy role where he would, you know, be a little more aggressive pursuing his shot and wasn't as into the passing and he lost some of his three-point mojo, he lost some of his overall scoring mojo. Uh, he shot under 40% from the field last year. Uh, his assists went down by almost half even though he played similar minutes uh that he did from his sophomore year. So, it's really hard to say, you know, for him, the whole thing has always been finding the right balance. There'll be a lot of games where he comes in and shoots six times in like the first three minutes he's in the game. And you know, those games, you're not going to get the good Aaron holiday on offense, but there's some games he comes in and he's really level headed and trying to, you know, make things happen on offense. And he's got this nice little crafty floater game he's got. And when he, when he's balancing everything out, he's actually a pretty good offensive player who can be useful. So for him on offense, it's really just about finding the right balance of when to be the scoring guard and one to be the passing guard. And if, you know, if, um Wes Unsell Jr. can can figure out how to tap into that, or the Wizards can get a good system for him. I think he can be a useful offensive player for Washington, but if he continues to struggle with, you know, balance that balancing act and getting his teammates involved, he'll just be, you know, this chucker that can't quite get his teammates up to snuff.
1: Okay, um, so yeah, he he got more opportunities. He played a lot better when Victor Oladipo was out. Um, now we got, you know we have Bradley Bill, Spencer Dinwiddie. And um, I was thinking about his game as well. Um, he's about six feet, six foot one. Was he more of a combo guard, or a point guard, or did he play better as a uh, as a shooting guard? Because uh, he had, in his introductory press conference he said he played a lot of uh, the shooting guard position while he was with the Pacers.
0: Yeah, he certainly played a lot of two guard, which actually could be good for the Wizards. You know, I think he would fit really well with a guy like Hal Neto with the second unit if Neto ends up being the backup point guard in Washington. I'm not sure how. Unselled plans to do that kind of stuff, but he would he can fit next to any guard. He's definitely more to me, he's more effective as a two guard, right? Because I think he's a good catch and shoot kind of guy. But I think he views himself more as a point guard, and his height is certainly a factor as well. Where you know, it's it's harder for him to guard bigger players. He does have a six seven wingspan, so he can get away with guarding some twos on defense, but he, I would say he's more combo two guard give, given his skill set more so than his height. Um, I think he would like to be a point guard, but again, like I said earlier. He struggles with that passing and setting up his teammates. So it's, it's not quite the perfect position for him.
1: Yeah, is there any um, upside that you still see in his game? He's still young. Uh, what was he in the 2018 draft, right?
0: Yeah, 2018, uh, yeah, 2018 draft. Uh, he's only 24, right? Those guys can always get better, right? Victor Oladipo's huge breakout season in Indiana. He was 25, right? So Indiana fans are well aware of late blooms i uh, washington not you know hasn't had a big bloom recently from anybody but you know beal came on a little later at least in terms of his you know big oomph coming as as a player so yeah he's still definitely growing and it's weird because you know it's always assumed with young players that like they'll get a little bit better every year right boop 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 and then they'll hit their peak and then go down but that's rarely how it is right you know they get a little better then they slump a little and then they get a lot better and they slump you know it's up and down so there's always a chance that something just clicks from all of a sudden or You know, Beal and Dinwiddie are the perfect mentors for him because, you know, he matches their play styles more than the Pacers guards. And then he just clicks and he looks a lot better this year. That is very possible to me.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, who was was the better out of the two brothers? Was it Justin or Aaron? (laughs) Or which one did you like more?
0: Uh, Justin was more effective for the Pacers, but they have totally different skill sets. So it's it's not fair to say one or the other is better. But I would say Justin was more effective for the Pacers, uh, most likely.
1: Yep. Okay. And um, so we're going to get into the defensive side because the Wizards were really bad defensively last year. We gave up uh, 118 points per game last year, which was the worst in the NBA. We've been pretty darn bad at defense. Uh, We've just had uh, track meets up and down the floor. Um, We've had games just go – we've had 130 – we've gotten to the 130s in in a couple games, I feel like, or in the 120s. But before we get into the defensive side of Aaron Holiday's game, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, you got NFL going on. You got some college football going on tonight, too. I I, I didn't even know Ohio State was playing. I'm going to try to check out that game a little bit. I didn't put a wager in on it. Um, but BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the, back, all the action at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports sportsbook experts promo code is locked on. This episode is also brought to you by Direct TV. Uh, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compat- uh, compatible device is required, and content varies by package. All right, so let's get into um, the defensive side of Aaron Holiday. Uh, what were some of his strengths and weaknesses on the defensive side?
0: Aaron Holiday came out of college with a pretty high um, defensive thought from from scouts and execs. Right, he was on all, all Pac-12 defense at UCLA, so there was some thought he can be a good a uh, good defensive guard. And like I mentioned earlier, he's got that six foot seven wingspan, so he's able, despite being shorter, to guard. Ones and twos at least somewhat well, uh defense is really tough though for anyone who's really short, right like I think Kyle Lowry and chris Paul and I'm probably uh, T.J. McConnell and like Patrick Beverly, maybe there's not very many really good defenders who are short right like you're you're extremely limited on defense just by your height. You can only guard one maybe maybe two guys on either team, uh, so it's harder to switch at that height so he he can be a pest and he's definitely very aggressive on defense, like he's good at getting into guys. He's very passionate on that end of the floor, would certainly play as well into good defense at times. But, you know, because he's shorter, uh, you know, he's limited on who he can guard and he's he's not very aware off ball yet, you know, he's still not quite on the pattern recognition part of the NBA yet. So his defense is, is just interesting to me because if he's guarding someone that is, you know, similar to his size or someone he can handle, he does a pretty good job. But there are a lot of times where he leaves a lot to be desired on that end of the floor.
1: Oh wow. Uh- yeah, because um, Spencer Dinwiddie gave him some praise in his press conference as well, said that uh, he hated playing against Aaron Holiday uh, <laughs> defensively because he was such a pest. And I mean, I, I saw him play a couple of times, too. I mean, we played you guys a lot towards the end of the, the year where uh, we played you guys in the play-in game. And then also, you know, Russell Westbrook had some of his uh, best games against the Pacers as well. Um, and I just want to get to because 2020 was such a good year for him and then. I mean I'm sorry 20 yeah, it was 2020 was his better year and then 2021 was just a drop off in uh points per game uh three point percentage went down field goal percentage went down assists uh went down from 3 to uh one assist a game I just want to what what um what happened with Aaron Holiday was it just less minutes or uh confidence or um bringing in TJ McConnell what were the factors in him kind of regressing uh in the 2021 season
0: A lot of bad pacer stats from last year, like can be just chalked up to having a new coach. They switched from Nate McMillan to Nate Bjorkren and the way they played just completely changed. They didn't really have a base defense. Their offense was really variable as well. They called a lot of sets, which can be good, but it can be bad for a guy like Aaron Holiday, who's, you know, trying to go really fast all the time and make stuff happen. And their defense was so bizarre. They would run out random zones. That you, you know, the Wizards you saw, they played them a million times. They were chasing Russell Westbrook over screens for some reason and letting him get to the rim. Like, every you know, he had like 40 and 20 and 20 against the Pacers. It was absolutely ridiculous. They defended him like a bunch of idiots, right? And that wasn't just against the Wizards. They did that all season, right? So, you know, that they were all over the place, all over the court at times. And sometimes, not very often, but sometimes that gimmicky stuff worked, and a lot of times it didn't. So a lot of guys just had, like, weird stat years. Not necessarily bad for everybody, but weird. And Aaron, in Aaron Holiday's case, the weird was bad. Uh, the biggest thing for me was the passing that you mentioned. You know, the assists dropping from three and a half to less than two was really concerning. He definitely was trying to hunt a shot more. And there's a point in the season where you you stop thinking that it's, like, him just getting worse, like, a lot worse, and, like, something mandated by the coaching staff, right? Because he's not stupid. Like, he understands how to help a basketball team win. You know, he's not just shooting all these shots because he thinks – they're awesome, but that said, he didn't make the shots either. So, you know, I think that he just was not as encouraged to pass last year as he was two years ago. The shooting was interesting and concerning. You know, he's a pretty good off the dribble shooter and catch and shooter, but he he took more off the bounce threes last year. I think if he was a little more off ball, resigned to that role, but was still able to shoot threes whenever he wanted, he could be better there. So it's just a lot of funky usage stuff to me, and just the way he was used on the court changed a little bit. He shot horribly at the rim last year like I can't overstate it his rookie year and his sophomore year with the Pacers he shot like about 60 percent of the basket and you know he's six feet tall right it's gonna be tough for him to score at the rim even with long limbs last year he shot under 50 percent from three feet and in which is like embarrassingly bad he kept going to this weird lefty floater that sometimes went in but it was just the only shot he could get up at times so he just needs to you know for him it's just the right coach telling him to get all the way to the rim or you know, take the right shots and just get him in like a more normal style of play that Napier didn't use would help him so much. Cause that hurt his stats a lot last year.
1: Right. And then um getting back to the rotation. Um, you said that he could play with Raul Net at the same time. Um, I-, I think a lot of, a lot of people are looking at the roster where, the the backups would be uh, Ronald Neto, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, and then uh, Denny off the bench and Bertans and Harrell. If it did come to where they only wanted one small or six feet, six foot one uh, point guard, who do you think would give more playing time? Do you think Ronald Neto would give more playing time or uh, Aaron Holiday?
0: You know, I think I, I'm kind of a fan of Neto personally, just his game in general. I think Neto was probably better last year but he's older, right? Holiday's 24. Neto's about to turn, I think, 29 or 30. He did turn 29 already. Yeah. So, you know, if you're the Wizards, like, yeah, you're trying to be good, right? You have a lot of good players you just traded Russell Westbrook for. Uh, But, you know, playing the young guy who's barely worse and you can develop him more makes a lot more sense to me, at least, you know, you, you know the team better than I do, but that makes more sense to me. I don't think the gap in talent between Neto and Holiday is big enough that you choose the older player, right? They're so close you go with the younger guys. So if that's really what it comes down to for the backup point guard spot, is Neto and Holiday and then the two guard will be KCP or whoever they decide to go with. Yeah, I think I I I think if I was the coach, I would choose Aaron Holiday over Neto.
1: Right. Yeah, I so see you have the Brazil flag there, you know, Ronald Neto who's <laughs> from there. So, yeah, I see the connection and uh what's what's the underrated um part of of Aaron Holiday's game? Something Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Um He's uh, he's just up in your face all the time. Right. Like he his motor is pretty underrated, I think, is a skill for him. Like he he's so passionate and aggressive and in guys face on defense. You know, you mentioned Dinwiddie talking about that, but like every time he fouls someone, he gets really mad. And, and you know, sometimes it's at the refs. You know, every player never thinks they foul. But a lot of times it's at himself. Right. He's like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. You know, or oh, I barely messed up that rotation, and I felt like he he knows a lot of what he's supposed to do. He's very aware of his mistakes, and that aggression uh, plays into his play. So you know, it's it's just like I feel like with Aaron Holiday, he's so close to understanding the game at like a higher level than he does, and it would help him a lot. And he gets so frustrated when he doesn't quite get it. So I think his passion and his aggression will will show on a new team in a new situation for him, where he feels like he's being used in a better role too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely, I, I just, anybody that can play an ounce of defense, the Wizards could <laughs> really use it. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but ne- w- next we're going to get into um, some of his character and how he fits with the chemistry with the Washington Wizards. And then we'll get into some Pacers talk and talk about some of the guys that were involved in the trade, Isaiah Jackson. And then also um, Chris Duarte, a guy that I really, really wish the Wizards could have gotten, but you know, You guys got them two picks before us. I I think I want to say it was two picks before 15 to 13. Um, But before we do get into that, uh, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car car dealership when when you can just go to Rock Auto? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. But it's only $216 from Rock Auto. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar um which uh which flavor is your your favorite
0: oh peanut butter brownie definitely is my favorite
1: <laughs> yeah i haven't tried that one yet but uh my favorite is cookies and cream uh, they have coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate uh, if you haven't tried all the flavors you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors check out the macro 17 to 18 grams of protein Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Order Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so um, I just want to get into um, how he was um, – uh, how his character was, if you got a gauge on that, and um, how he fit the chemistry with the Pacers, and uh, would he he be a good chemistry fit with the Washington Wizards?
0: You know, it's a harder question to answer than the rest of the ones you've asked me. I get to do all the I I have access to the team. I get to do the Zoom interviews, all that stuff. Got to go in the locker room went for for Aaron Holiday's whole career. And he's notorious for being um, not very good at media sessions. Not that he's bad. You know, he gives good answers. He's just – he's always positive about the future. Sometimes you don't feel like he means it. Uh, So it's hard for me to get a read on who he is because he's very reserved with media. But I'm sure, you know, and actually given the way other players talk about him, I know he's more vocal around his teammates. So my perception of him uh, is unfair, right? It doesn't actually match who he is. So so I'm not, I can't give a perfect answer to that. Uh, But I will say by all accounts, like every Pacers teammate was like, I really love playing with Aaron Holiday. He's got the right attitude. He's trying to learn. He's trying to get better. TJ McConnell was always very praising of him trying to get better, which is great because that's the guy who took his job, right? So Aaron's trying to learn from that guy and, and learn how to play the game a little better. But the other hard part, hard part about assessing his character and how it will translate to another team is he played with his brother here, right? So I don't know what he's like in a situation where he doesn't have a family member on the team and how that will will impact the way he interacts with vets and grows. But, you know, again, he's thought of very highly by his teammates. He's never caused a problem. Uh, in the locker room or anything like that. So I think he'd be a great culture fit for a wizard for a Wizards team that already has some strong voices, you know, in BL, uh and, and with a new coach and with Montrez Harrell, who I'm sure will be a big voice in that locker room right, right. away. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's get into um, the draft night. You know, we gave you guys Isaiah Jackson, which I, I really – I was ecstatic when we made the pick, even though we have so many bigs. I feel like you guys have a lot of bigs too. Um, so how did you feel about your draft and Chris Duarte? Uh, was there – Anybody else that you wanted to draft? I think Moses Moody was drafted right after um, Duarte. Are you happy with the pick? Was there anybody else that you felt like you the, the Pacers could have gotten? And uh, how do you feel about Isaiah Jackson as well?
0: Yeah, I'll do Isaiah first because he's the guy who will be linked to the Wizards forever. Because they technically... Well, actually, they traded it to the Lakers and the Lakers traded it. It was very yeah, confusing. Lock-over. I think he was wearing a Lakers hat on draft night, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I the Pacers have two starting bigs and, and Goga Batadze in the back behind them already. So I was kind of like, Oh, interesting. But they then explained uh, that they view him as a four, right? At Kentucky, he defended the perimeter very well. And I know that on offense, his skills are a lot of around the basket, but if you can defend the perimeter, you can play the four. And in summer league, he showed off some great perimeter defensive skills uh, and was high flying and alley-ooping and Duncan all over the place. So, you know, he, if he's just an awesome motor big, you can defend the perimeter. Great. That's, that's an NBA player. That's a home run pick at 22 so uh until these guys play and I'll say this for every rookie because Kispert had a bad summer league but who cares it's summer league right that's what you got to say about summer league it doesn't matter you have no idea who these guys are until they play in the league but Duarte is interesting I was not as high on him before summer league and again I just said summer league doesn't matter at all but my god he was so good that everyone's like huh I wonder if he's actually going to turn out to be something you said you really wanted him with the Wizards you know a lot of people did did like him the Warriors really wanted him they picked one spot later than the Pacers so despite not being my favorite prospect that doesn't matter it's how do the Pacers feel about him they love his maturity they think he can contribute right away and fit in as a team defender and shooter certainly looking like those are going to be his skills in the NBA again based on summer league which who cares but that assessment uh seems fair from the team so you know if they're right about the guys that they picked uh it's going to be a good draft for the Pacers but we'll see you know I was really into Moses Moody and he was available when the Pacers were picking but you know it is what it is I'm not in charge of the decisions for a reason
1: Yeah, I I I like Moses Woody. I like both of the guys. I really like Chris Duarte a lot because um, once again, he could play defense and he could shoot the lights out, and it showed. Even though he's 24, he's kind of you know a dinosaur in in (laughs) NBA terms. But
0: Uh, are you um, a Kispert fan?
1: I do like Corey Kispert. The summer league was a little concerning, to be honest, but he is a guy where. Uh, he has he has to be set up to be successful. He's not a guy that's yeah. going to break you down and cross you up and do in and out and a whole bunch of and one mixtape.
0: He's older, but he I think he's a really good fit with the team with Dinwiddie and Beal. Just like if he yeah. can just catch and shoot every possession, that's a great spot for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what we. Mean. I mean, we got Bertans. Um, you can never have enough shooters and Bertans. Right. You know, he might be on the trade block because we're just paying him so much and he hasn't really played <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> up to the contract. Uh, but I like Kispert. He's just – the summer league was just a lot – it's, it's so different because guys in the summer league, they're trying to make a name for themselves. It's right. their last shot of making the NBA. So, they're not really looking to pass to a guy to just shoot threes. They're looking to just dribble, dribble, dribble and and shoot the ball. whenever. Well, like playing.
0: every game, like Duarte's first game, they were like, go be a catch-and-shoot guy. And in the second game, they were like, okay, create every shot. It's like, wait a minute. That's not how he's going to be used in the NBA. You know, you don't learn anything about these guys in these roles. And, like, Kispert was dribbling so much. You know, that's not going to happen in the NBA. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was it was bad at one point. We did one one. He had one really really good game where he had 19 points, and he was dribbling the ball a lot. He was dribbling a lot more than what he did in college. And uh, I, I like him. I mean, the comparisons are are kind of um, they're easy to make, like Kyle Korver and um, Doug McDermott. You know, your Pacers guy is he still on the Pacers?
0: He's on the Spurs now.
1: He's on the Spurs. Okay, so yeah, Doug McDermott guys. Like, that. I think he's I think he's more athletic than Doug McDermott and by a lot. More, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and more mobile than Kyle Corver and guys like that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I like the pick. I thought I gave it, you know, I know you, you don't like giving grades on, on draft night, but you <laughs> know, if, you, if you had to give a grade, I thought it was – I don't think it was an F. Right? I thought it was a solid pickup. Um, there you go. But, yeah, we'll get into um, Ben Simmons, and then we'll probably wrap up here. Um, I, did You guys really tried to trade for Ben Simmons. It was Malcolm Brogdon and, and a first-round pick. Which I thought, honestly, was a fair trade, but the Sixers, they won a lot. How did you, how did you feel about the trade or do you think it was a fair trade for you guys?
0: Yeah, the, the Sixers won Bradley or Beal. Or fair for the Sixers. The, the Sixers won Bradley Beale, right? So you're, you're going to be intertwined in yeah. Simmons stuff all year, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see where that shakes out. Um, yeah, you know, I, there has been the reported Pacers interest. Uh, that exact offer, I think, got floated on the internet. I don't know, based off the people I've talked to, that that's exactly right. Uh, but, you know, it's something like that. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yo, Simmons would be an awesome fit on any team. To me, I'm higher on him than most people. You know, he look, he was awful in the Hawks series, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no two ways about it. He, was, he, he hurt the Sixers. He is getting paid almost $30 million, and he was a big reason they lost that series. Like, that's a problem. But he's, like, uh, one of the best three basketball defenders on the planet and is an amazing shot creator for 95% of your games when he's not in his own head and getting roasted by his own teammates. So... For a market like Indiana where it's so hard to get these stars, right? Like these three-time All-Star in a row, All-NBA two years ago. Like, yeah, they, the Ben Simmons as a distressed asset's the type of guy they should be going for. So, I'm into that offer for them. I, I like them pursuing that kind of player. I don't think that a deal will ultimately be struck between Indiana and Philly. But if the Pacers can swing it, I think it would be a good choice for them.
1: Yep. And um, last one, yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons, it's just hard because, you know, when he passed up that dunk, I, oh, it's just, it was, yeah, crazy. but he, he's so like talented, it, like you said. It's,
0: it, but, but that's a kind of moment where you're like, like what is in your head in, the, in that moment, right? Like, if you're the guy that you want to be and in game seven, you can't just jump up and dunk. Like, I get that he's better than that almost all the time, but you're never going to forget that moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, he just needs to change the scenery. I mean, Doc Rivers doesn't believe in him any, believe in him anymore. Joel Embiid doesn't believe in him either. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a change of scenery. But last one, we'll wrap up here. Where do you think your Pacers finish? If you had to uh, predict in the crystal ball, uh, do you guys think you guys make the playoffs? I mean, you guys got talent, DeMontis bonus. I don't know if you're going to keep Miles Turner. And uh, TJ Warren's coming back, Jeremy Lamb. You guys are getting healthy. You got a new coach, Rick Carlisle. So that's, you know, that's a big move there. Uh, where do you guys where do you think you guys end up in the uh, in the eastern conference
0: yeah they basically outside of mcdermott have the same rotation they had two years ago when they would have won 50 games if they played the whole season covid cut it short um last year nape Yorkern was an absolute disaster of a head coach for them right like a lot went wrong so it's hard to figure out exactly where to expect them right last year they barely made the play in the wizards as you know knocked them out uh, but two years ago they were the four seed in the east with a similar team to what they have now right so probably somewhere in the middle of those two outcomes you know they have a new coach so it's going to take time to gel in a new system whatever that system happens to be they did lose some shooting in Doug McDermott they're probably going to be playing Duarte right they'll be a different team so it's probably not safe to say they'll be as good as they were two years ago but they'll definitely be better than last year to me they had so much just junk going on within their team last year so I think when we tiered the Eastern Conference I had them like seventh or eighth uh, right behind you know the Knicks and the, the similar cast of teams that, they, that were, they were behind last year, right? Like, maybe they can catch the Wizards, maybe not. The Wizards, uh, if those are old players they got, well, some of them are better than old players even. For Westbrook, like, if they gel with Beale, they could be better than last year, right? So, catching them could be hard, and the Hornets are hot on their tail, right? So, it's it's hard to see who the Pacers pass to get to 7 or 8. So, so who knows? But that's kind of where I'm feeling like they're going to be if they have better health and a better coach than last year.
1: Yeah, the East got a lot better from the Bulls. A lot better, yeah. Wizards, Pacers. Um, a lot of teams improved. I mean, the Hawks are going to be good again. The Nets are the Nets, and the Bucks are the, B- are the Bucks. So, um, the Easter yeah, the East is not the Eastern Conference anymore. I think the East Conference is is pretty darn good. But um, yeah, Tony, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, before we head out, uh, this episode is brought to you by Locked On Today. Get all the sports news you need in under twenty minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And um, Tony, before you head out, is there anything you want to promote or your um, or plug your Twitter?
0: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at t east NBA. I will occasionally tweet about the Wizards because I still watch a lot of their games. Uh, I, I have this little Wizards uh, coffee mug on my table that I'm now showing it. So okay. <laughs> I do still have my some of my Wizards swag around, but I mostly tweet about the Pacers. And of course, if you're listening to Lockdown Wizards, if you want Pacers thoughts, Lockdown Pacers is the way to go.
1: Thank you, man, for coming on and everybody listening. Have a good one. Peace.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free
1: on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.